Bibles, our scripture reading this morning will be in Ruth, verses 19 through 22. Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty had dealt dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth and the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest." There's a story told of a foolish farmer who decided one day that the oats he was feeding his mule was costing him way too much. So he devised himself a plan and the next morning he went out and he gathered up the oats for his mule and he mixed in with it a little sawdust. Well, the mule ate it, seemed to be working. So each morning he would go out and he would mix in a little more sawdust. And a little more sawdust, and it went on and went on. A few weeks later, he went out and gave the mule, uh, finally, uh, a bag of just sawdust. And the mule ate it. Consequently, after having eaten that bag of sawdust, he fell over dead. Now, I don't know if that's a true story. But I do know that it is a wonderful parable describing how the child of God gets a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further away from him until one day he is spiritually dead. Now, whether that happens through sin or neglect, it happens. And we understand that our souls cannot survive on spiritual sawdust. We have to have the Word of God. We have to... uh, not get away from God. And I don't think it's uh, it's something out of the ordinary for a Christian to think in his or her mind, well, just a little bit won't hurt. Well, the problem with a little bit won't hurt is it never stops at a little bit. It goes on and on until finally all you have is a feed bag full of sawdust. And that must have been the way Naomi felt. She must have felt that way that she was far from God. She was in a nation that was not God's nation, surrounded by people who were not God's people and who did not live like God's people. She left her husband and her two sons in Moab because they had died. Initially, ten years earlier, she and her husband, two sons, went into Moab. I don't know exactly why they went into Moab. may have been because of the severe famine that was going on. They thought maybe it was uh, would be an opportunity for a better life. And so they left God's people and God's nation and they went to Moab. Now they were from Bethlehem. The text tells us that they were Ephrathites. In Genesis thirty-five nineteen, we learned that Bethlehem was formerly known as Ephrath. And so they'd gone into this uh, foreign nation and they set up shop as it were there. But upon leaving the nation of God... 
for an idolatrous nation, they found out that perhaps that was not as good as they hoped it would be. Things were not as wonderful as they wished they had have been. Things did not turn out like they thought they would turn out. But that's the way it is, isn't it? So after a time, Elimelech died along with his sons later on, leaving Naomi with greater problems than when she had before she left her own nation. She was in a land of idolatry. She was without a husband. And for a time, she was in charge of two sons on her own. Well, I believe we see that in Luke 15. We can go back to Luke 15. We can read about the lost son. And we we learn about a young man who, in his father's home, where he had all of his needs met, where he was loved and cared for, where he had to follow some rules of the home, but... He was looking for something. I feel like that young man thought he was missing out on a few things in this life, so he decided to leave his father's home and he went into a far country and things did not turn out like he thought they would turn out. He lost all of his money. He lost all of his friends, not that they were really his friends, and finally he found himself sleeping with the pigs. Now it seems the family of Naomi after they went into Moab, seems to me they were accepted by the people of Moab. And I'm not trying to disparage Naomi or her husband, but often if you're going to fit in with a group of people, you kind of have to fit into them, don't you? And so it seems as if they were accepted into that nation, and uh, in fact her two sons married two women from Moab. So she had two daughters-in-law who... Uh, we're living in the home with her. But eventually, Naomi lost her two sons. Now, the very fact that Naomi's two sons married two women who were Gentiles went exclusively against the law of God. Particularly, they were not to marry with the Moabites and the Ammonites. We see that in uh, uh, Deuteronomy 23, 3-4. We can go back to Exodus 34, 16, Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 8, and they weren't to marry outside God's people, period, but especially not the Moabites and the Ammonites. At any rate, her two sons died, and so the far country of Moab didn't look quite as promising as it had when she left with her husband. There was no light of hope shining on her pathway. She was destitute. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have sons. She simply had two daughters. And she had lost all that she held dear. Now she had two good daughters-in-law. And I think that when we look at the uh, home life there, that there wasn't any kind of problems within the family. But still she had no people of her own. But that's what happens when one leaves God and goes into the far country, right? We leave all that we that we're familiar with, we leave all that we know, we leave all that is good, and we go into the far country of sin. And you know, perhaps Emelech and Naomi felt as if they didn't have any other choice. After all, there was a severe famine going on in Israel. But didn't other people stay in Israel? Didn't other people survive the famine? Weren't other people able to make their way in this life by staying in God's nation where they should have been? But finally, Ruth 1, verses 6 through 7, Naomi learned something. 
she learned that God had visited His people with bread. Things began to look up in Bethlehem. Things began to look up in Israel. And so she decided that she would return to God's people. She pronounced God's blessings upon these two daughters-in-law of hers because of the way they had been kind to her and the way they had treated her sons. And again, I think it's important to notice that that wasn't a strained relationship at all within the family. And she wanted them to, to go back to their own people. Go back to, to, your, to your parents' homes. Go back to their gods. Find rest with other husbands. If you recall, she said, I can't have more children that you might marry them because that was the custom, wasn't it? The, the oldest son, perhaps he, he was killed or he died and then his wife would marry the younger son. And it went on down the line until children were produced in the name of that older son. And so she said, I can't have any more children, no more sons for you to marry. Just go on back where you can find comfort. Even then, Ruth didn't want to. Orpah decided to go back. She went back to her home. She no doubt went back to that idolatrous lifestyle. But Ruth said, I'm not going. I'm not going to leave you. I am going to be loyal to you. And again, we see that life only has two choices. There are only two choices in life. You either make the right choice or you make the wrong choice. Orpah made the wrong choice. Ruth made the correct choice. She went with Naomi. And ultimately, do you know where we read about Ruth? In the lineage of Jesus. What an honor for that lady, a Gentile, to be named among those good women in the lineage of our Savior. She was dedicated. She was dedicated. I think one of the best examples of modern day dedication is found in the life of the great Christian and gospel preacher Gus Nichols. Some of you may be familiar with Brother Gus Nichols. He's he's gone on to his reward now. He's from Alabama. And it was stated, he made the statement, he said he determined on the day that he was baptized, he was going to be dedicated to Jesus. When it came time for the saints to meet, if it was 20 years from that day, he knew where he would be on Sunday, somewhere with the Lord's people. He was going to live like God wanted him to live. He didn't have to battle on Sunday morning on whether or not he was going to services. He simply knew that's the way it was. I can recall growing up in my father's home and we got up on Sunday morning. I never did ask him, what are we doing this morning? I knew what we were doing. He had determined that when he obeyed the gospel. And so we would get up and we would go on to church. And that's what all faithful Christians should do. Ultimately, what happened was Naomi decided that she would return home. But the problem is, sometimes when one goes home, he goes home the hard way, doesn't he? That's the title of the sermon this morning, Coming Home the Hard Way. As we learn from Naomi's mistakes and her victories, we need to make that application to our own lives. And let's begin with her arrival. That's our first point. The trip from Moab to Bethlehem would have taken seven to ten days. That was a long trip. They had to walk. Uh, they were very poor and destitute. They didn't have, or they wouldn't have had the animals to ride or anything like that. And it required the traveler to cross the Jordan River. Not only did 
did they have to cross the Jordan River? They had to ascend 2,000 feet to get into Bethlehem. It would not have been an easy journey, but it would have been very easy for them to have stopped just short of the city. It's easy to stop when things get tough, isn't it? But they continued on until they were where they were supposed to be. And I think we see that in a life of sin. Or let's say the life of the Christian who goes through some difficulties. It is easy to stop before we get to where we're supposed to be. But that's not what we should do, right? In Bethlehem, it was a a place of praise for God. She arrived in a place of praise. It was in Bethlehem where God was honored. God was worshipped. God was held in high esteem for who He was. But you know, when we look at the life of Naomi, while she was in Moab, there was no praise in her heart. You can't be, uh, you can't have praise toward God when surrounding yourselves with the wrong people, living with the wrong people. We can't praise God or live a life of honoring God if we're not among His people and living the way He wants us to live. That doesn't mean we don't live in the world among people who do not even believe in God. But what it does mean is we live the life God asked us to live and when it comes time to come together as His people, I think that's what He expects us to do. We cannot do that when we're not in the presence of the Almighty. And I think that when we look at this idea of repentance, I think we can see that. It's very easy to stop just short of where one ought to be, isn't it? Maybe someone doesn't want to uh, make the statement that they've been wrong in some areas. It's not easy to admit when we've been wrong, is it? No one likes to do that. Uh, The person who says, well, I don't like saying I'm wrong, is not the minority. He is the majority. No one likes to say they're wrong. But it's necessary at times to say that we're wrong. It's necessary to say, I made the wrong choice. Now I'm going to stop. I'm going to make the correct choice. You know, it would have been easy for them to have stopped. I want us to notice Acts chapter 2. When the question was asked by those people on Pentecost, verse 37, what must we do? Men and brethren, what must we do? Peter gave the answer and the response was repent. Of course, he said repent and be baptized, but the idea, the first thing you have to do is you have to repent. You have to stop doing what you're doing. Now, it would have been very easy for those people in attendance. In fact, there was probably somewhere between two and two and a half million people there It would have been very easy for them to simply have just gone from the presence of those apostles and ignored what they said. In fact, that's what the majority did. But 3,000 of those people said, I want to stop this life of sin. I want to make the correct choice. I want to do what God has instructed me to do. And by doing that, they praised God in their actions and their attitudes. We see that in Acts 2.41 where they continued in the worship and the praise of God. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. They did what God asked them to do. And they were added to the Lord's church. They were saved, Acts 2.47, because they did what Peter asked them to do. They had to repent, make that change of mind and action, and they were baptized for the remission of their sins. Not only does one find praise for God on his arrival home, 
He also finds God's presence. That's the big thing, isn't it? When you leave the presence of God, He's simply nowhere to be found. Not because He's not where He ought to be, but because we've removed ourselves from where we should be. We find God's presence. Ruth 1.6, God had visited the people. He had done things for them that they needed to have been done. You know, when Mo, while in Moab, Naomi was away from the presence of God. And when we leave the presence of God, we've fallen from where we ought to be. We have to be in the presence of God, and we have to be able to stand justified in the presence of God. And that's what the book of Romans is about. How do I do that? How do I accomplish salvation and justification? But when a saint is away, he cannot enjoy the blessings of God's presence. Jonah found that out the hard way, didn't he? Instead of having blessings, he had something else. There's a big difference between having the blessings of God while in His presence and being inside the belly of a big fish. Solomon said this, Proverbs 13, 15. He said, Good understandeth give good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. So there's a big difference from being in Christ and enjoying His blessings, Ephesians 1, 3, and being in the sin of the world. See, we have to come and arrive back home. Now, sometimes we come the hard way. The person who's fallen away has to come to some understanding, right? He or she has to understand that after, after having obeyed the gospel and having left the presence of God, they got to come back. And sometimes it's a rough journey. But if we want to have praise and we want to be able to be in the presence of God, we have to arrive back home. And that's the good news, isn't it? We can do that. We can return and be with those of like precious faith, Second Peter 1, 1. When Naomi got back to Bethlehem, she was in the presence of like-minded people who had a like spirit as her, who believed the same thing she believed based on God's Word and lived that way. Moab was different. Those people didn't honor God. They didn't respect God. Instead, they honored and respected themselves. And we cannot do that and be at home with God. When Naomi was in Moab, she was away from God. But she chose to return. That's a hard choice, but one that must be made. And by making that choice on her arrival, she received the blessings that God had for her. But I want us to know something else. After her arrival in Bethlehem, there was an announcement that was made. That's our second point. As Naomi began to talk about the things that had happened for her, we read in the text that the people were moved about. That means there was kind of an uproar within the city. There was a lot of talk going on. Is that Naomi? Has Naomi returned? After all, she came back alone. In the presence of a Gentile woman. She didn't have her husband. She didn't have her two sons. She must have looked and acted differently. And so there was a question. Is that Naomi? Who are we looking at here? But she spoke of God's providence, didn't she? Verse 21, she said, God hath brought me home again. Have you ever considered, and I'd never considered this prior to this study, how often that, Naomi must have 
had to retell over and over about the death of her husband, about the loss of her two sons, about the tragedies that that befell her, the loss of finances, the loss of home. That must have been extremely heartbreaking to have to relive continually over and over again. But sin is heartbreaking. But she was home. She made the journey. She had returned. Again, when we think of the lost son, as he retold those things to the father, the father's heart must have been broken to know that his son was starving, not clothed properly, living in the elements, sleeping in the pigsty. All of those things must have been heartbreaking to the father. But the father's long-suffering, isn't he? God will allow us to come home as long as we have life in our bodies. And we remember the parable of the lost son in Luke 15, how every morning the father would go out to the road and he would look down the road waiting and hoping that the son would return. But that's what, happened when, that's what happens when the Christian leaves God. God wants that Christian to return, wants that brother or sister to repent of the sins in his or her life and and return back to God. And we read about that, 1 Timothy 2, 4. God wants all people to be saved. But they have to be saved according to God's plan, right? And if we want to return to God, His providence will allow us to return as long as we live. But it is often coming home the hard way, isn't it? She spoke of God's providence, but she also spoke of something else that I found very interesting. She spoke of God's punishment. She said, God hath testified, hath afflicted. It seems to me she had blamed God for the things that had happened to her. But whose choice was it? I believe that she really understood that because notice what's revealed. I think the 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 true spirit of her heart was revealed when she said, I went out. I went out. God didn't make her go out. God didn't make her leave Israel, leave Bethlehem, leave His people to go to a foreign nation where they didn't honor Him. They didn't practice His religion. And you know what she said? Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Why was that? She didn't want to be called Naomi because that word means pleasant. She didn't feel pleasant, did she? She felt what the name Mara intends, bitter. She had bitterness in her heart. She had bitterness, and I'm not saying that she had bitterness necessarily toward God. But when we lose loved ones, we have bitterness in our hearts, don't we? We have loss in our hearts. She was bitter because of those losses she had incurred while she was gone. We may even feel a little bit guilty about it. But I think, again, she understood that it was she who left. And as we look at the account and as it unfolds, it appears to me that Elimelech was a very wealthy man. When they left, they were very wealthy. But what happened on Naomi's return? She said, I went out full, but I've come back empty. That's what sin does, isn't it? Sin wants to take from you the blessings that God has given. Satan wants to empty us out. Of all that he's given, that God's given to us. Satan doesn't want us to have those blessings. When we leave God, we leave full, don't we? 
Because when we're in the presence of God, we are full. We have those things that, that are most important in this life. But Satan's plans to empty us out. Remember what Jesus said, Luke 12, verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. I think it is one of the most important things for a parent to want to give his or her child a good start in this life financially. Give them the things they need in this life. Give them the shelter they need. Now, I'm not talking about giving them everything they want. I'm talking about give them a place where they can live and, and sleep in safety. Give them a place where they can eat and, and have the nourishment they need in this uh, physical world. Give them a place where the family resides together as a unit. Where you have mom and dad and, and brothers and sisters, if you have those, and if not, you simply have that relationship with mom and dad and they love you and they train you. And we ought to want to give that to our children. And I think someone who doesn't want to give that to their child, there's something missing in his or her life. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to give them a good start in life spiritually. I don't think there's anything sadder than a grown child being lost to the world because mom and dad didn't give them a good start spiritually. And I can guarantee you it's a sad thing for mom and dad, right? We read about it throughout the New Testament. The abundance of the rich fool did him no good when it came time to answer for the things in his life, Luke 12, verse 20. You recall him. Look at all these barns. I'm going to tear them down, build bigger barns. Look what I have done. The Lord said, Thou fool, thy soul will be required of thee this night. The abundance of the rich man that he enjoyed in this life, did him no good when he was in the next life, Luke 16. He would have traded all that he had in this life to have gotten out of torments, to be able to keep his brethren from coming and joining him there. I think it is important to be full spiritually, and I know God does, than to be full physically, or we'll end up empty for sure. Naomi arrived in Bethlehem. The announcement of her arrival was made, but it was also a time of anticipation. That's our third and final point. I want us to notice what was going on. Naomi had anticipated her arrival. You know that seven to ten day journey. She was thinking about coming home. She couldn't wait to get back home. She was leaving behind uh, hurtful memories and bad experiences, and she was coming back to the house of God. But it was also a time of anticipation in Israel. It was a time of blood. The text tells us that the barley harvest was on. Now the barley harvest coincided with the Passover. And of course, the Passover was a remembrance of what God had done for the children of Israel in bringing them out of Egypt. They would shed blood, each one of them, and they would observe that Passover feast, Exodus chapter 12. Wasn't that the perfect time for Naomi to, to come home? She would be able to more personally reflect, I believe, on what God had done for her, not just as an Israelite, not just in the history of bringing Israel out of Egypt 
into that land of promise that flowed with milk and honey, but personally, what He had done for her. He brought her out of the land of Moab. He brought her back home. And she could understand that. She came home during the time of blood, and that was very necessary if those people were going to keep the old law. Now thankfully, we've mentioned this before, we've, we've spoken of the blessings of being under the New Testament. We do not have to continually offer an animal sacrifice. Christ took care of that. He was the sacrifice. He gave His blood. And now all we have to do is maintain contact with that blood, right? How do we do that? Well, initially, in kind of the, the whole idea is the child of God leaving and coming home. But initially, we come into contact with the blood of God through obedience to the gospel plan of salvation. Faith, repentance. We've talked about repentance, and that's what Peter demanded. Confession that Jesus is the Son of God. Paul said, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we have to recognize and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 8.37 We have to be immersed in water. And when we go into that water, it is at that point that we come into contact with the blood of Christ. Romans 6, 3 and 4. We're baptized into His death. That's how we gain access to the sin-forgiving blood of Jesus. We come up out of that water, Paul said in the same passage, walking in a new life. Well, what does the Christian do? The Christian leaves home, decides he needs to come back, and he still needs contact with the blood of Jesus. He's not baptized again. Once a person is born into the family of God, he's a child of God. Now, he may be an erring child of God, but he doesn't need to be born again into the family of God. But he still needs access to the blood of Christ. John described it this way. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. That's what the faithful Christian does. So, the one who steps out of the light, one who decides to go back into sin, to leave the presence of God, he has to come back into that light, and he does that through confession of sin, repentance, turning his life around, right? It's the blood of Jesus, not animals that washes away the sins of the world, John 1, 29. John made this statement, 1 John 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody needs the blood of Jesus. Naomi anticipated her return. Israel anticipated memorializing the Passover. It was a time of blood. They needed that contact. But it was also a time of beginning. In fact, it was a new beginning, really, wasn't it? Now, do you recall the name she wanted to be called? Mara. Bitterness. But what was it that the Holy Spirit called her in the last verse of our passage? Naomi. He didn't call her Mara. He called her Naomi. She may have been bitter in heart after her losses, but God had some things in mind, some pleasant things that she could look forward to, some things that she would have never considered in this life. 
Sin brings along with it trouble, doesn't it? When she came in, the people asked, Is this Naomi? A sinful life takes a toll on us, doesn't it? It can change the way we act. It can change the way we look. It can change everything about us. Naomi was in a land far from the presence of God. It took a toll on her life. They asked, Is this Naomi? She must have looked differently. She may have even acted differently because she was full of bitterness. She wasn't being pleasant. She didn't see the the good things in life. She was simply trying to escape the bad things that had happened. But that's what sin does to us. It makes us act differently. It simply changes every aspect of our lives. And we need to come home. And most of the time, people who leave the presence of God have to come home the hard way. But she returned. But the hard way impacted her, didn't it? But it was worth it. God gave her some blessings. Gave her some honor that she never imagined she could ever have. Because of Naomi, Ruth was in the lineage of Jesus, her daughter-in-law. Naomi was in the lineage. While we mourn over the troubles of a sinner, there's more joy in heaven over one repentant sinner. Luke 15, verse 7. Let's rejoice with those who return and let's encourage those who are absent to return to to us. Where does the account of Naomi and Ruth find us today? Satan wants us to be stripped of all that God has done for us and through us. He doesn't want us to have that. He doesn't want the world to benefit from that. Sometimes coming home is hard, but there's always time for a new beginning if we make that one correct choice if we have still life in our bodies. 2,000 years ago, Jesus spoke of a young man who chose to leave his father's house. He was searching for something he thought he was missing. But soon he found himself destitute in a place where he never thought he would ever be. Coming home was hard for him, but he chose to come home. And he found a father who was willing to forgive him He found a father who loved him and he found a father who was willing to restore him to a place of perfect fellowship and blessing. Coming home is hard, but it is worth it. We may need to do that today. If you find yourself needing to come home, do that as we stand and as we sing.